Welcome to show 24 of the C-Suite podcast, which I'm thrilled to be recording on a terrace overlooking the beach outside of Eco's House of PR here in Cabana 11 at Cannes Lions. Uh, so firstly, I want to thank the team here at Eco, that's the International Communications Consultancy Organization, for hosting me this week and also helping to arrange a number of the interviews uh, for the next few podcasts in the series, all of which will focus on a number of topics being discussed here at the International Festival of Creativity. And to kick off the week, I'm joined here by Richard Miller, who is CEO of HK Strategies UK and Regional President for Europe. Plus, we also have Simon Shaw, who is their Chief Creative Officer. Welcome, gentlemen. Um, now, there's loads going on here, obviously, at, at the festival. I'm assuming HK are here in force, educating, sharing, uh, I guess learning too. R- Richard, what's the brief to the team ahead of Cannes? You talked about educating, informing, I would also add inspiring. Uh, and I think, you know, I first came to Cannes back in, I think, the first year of the um, entry of the PR industry um, and I have to say knowing friends in the advertising industry it was everything they they said it was right. um, in terms of you know it is a magnet for the very best creative talent and best ideas um, and you can be nothing but inspired. Simon is this uh, how many times have you been to the festival? Uh, I think I came the first year was the year I met Richard here actually we were both jurors here um, so we've been coming here now for five or six years okay. um, it's a great opportunity to, to, to uh, meet old colleagues to kind of catch up with people uh, but also as Richard said to see the, kind of the best work that's coming out of all the industries so perhaps some of the industries that you might not normally um, look at you know direct or whatever it might be uh, so it's really interesting to see how creativity is uh, you know flowing to all the different uh, channels. Excellent now um Reading up on both your profiles, uh, before I did this interview, creativity is clearly important to you. Um, there's some great ideas, campaigns, plenty of shiny new toys being demoed here. What I was keen to find out is what's the expectation from existing clients, uh, though, when you come back from an event like Ken, and what are they looking for from an agency like yours? And also, there's a few questions actually in here, you know, how are you continuing to shift an agency, you know, the size of, of H&K, I'm, if I've got this right, 80 offices in 51 countries around the world. So how do you respond to those client requests? Well, I'll try and remember the first question you just asked. <laughs> it was really about, um, it was about expectation. Well, I think what's interesting in, in the seven, eight years that I've been coming here, we see more and more clients actually coming as well. So it's not just a festival for the agency folk, it's actually a festival for both sides of the, of the agency client world um, but we you know we're, we're also very clear that those who are fortunate enough to be here are, in, are expected to go back and share what they've seen um, the best of the world um, because you know although we live in a in London we're very lucky to live in London it is a multicultural arguably center point for creativity actually what is inspiring here is you see the world in a sort of very intense mm few days and, and taking that back into London, back into our agency, I think is incredibly important and then passing that on to clients. I think um, from a client perspective, um, you, you talk about creativity at the heart, I think it's at the heart of, of what all of our clients are looking for now. So I guess if you go back a number of years here and you, you talk to Phil Thomas, the CEO, you know, he talks about the rise of B2B clients here, the rise of kind of clients who traditionally you might have not expected to value creativity so highly becoming more and more relevant and prevalent and we've got some of our clients here from China as well and you know they're looking at how they can 
uh, move perhaps from a from a, a culture of making product to a culture of actually explaining why they're why they're making that product, and that's that's super exciting. So, I think for us um, working across a very broad range of clients, um, that's uh, creativity only rises as important as we you know as we work with um, a, a really wide range of clients, and those clients are talking directly to the consumers, not necessarily through the media yeah. any longer. So I think. That's that's why it's very very exciting for us uh, to be here. Um, there's a journey that uh, you know a lot of our clients and, and we need to go on with with them um, because you know they're not all Levi's of this world. They're not all uh, Coca-Colas of this world. Um, some of them are, are coming from a, a kind of a different starting point in terms of the need for creativity. So I think it's super exciting that a lot of those types of clients are here, and it's obviously great that uh, we're here um, supporting them and kind of. Um, showing them the world that is um, creativity. Excellent. Well, as well as creativity, I know analytics is high on your agenda too. Um, in fact, tomorrow I'm interviewing Vicky, Vicky Chowney after she presents the work you're doing with uh, Brandwatch. Um, so I'm hoping to get more about your uh, your Sherlock platform um, from that interview. But what I was interested here, again, from both of you, was what you're looking for when you're bringing new people into the team. How much has that skill set changed to take account of the requirements to understand analytics as well as being creative and, and having the ability to tell a good story? Well, I think if you look at the makeup of, of our agency across the, only the last two or three years, it's fundamentally changed. I, being perfectly frank, I can't remember the last time I interviewed what you might call a, someone with a typical PR background. I mean, we're, we're hiring, as you just referenced, data scientists, more creatives in, in the mould of Simon, but you know also very specific craft-led creative people as well to help bring those ideas to life and be able to deliver them uh, effectively. So you know, what, what, what we see essentially is, a, is Hill & Knowlton as a canvas for a multi, multitude of different skills um, and passions that we can bring to the benefit of a client who needs to engage with the public. I would add to that. Um, we, uh, you'll see here, uh, we're launching a, a campaign here, um, which is about Hill and Norton changed and changing, and very much it's about sort of um, ripping up what it says above the door, public relations, and actually just making a, an agency a place for people to come and write their own stories and follow their own passions. And I think that's the opportunity we have as an agency is to attract super talented people and, and allow them the freedom to to actually um, constantly change as we need to constantly change and constantly change the skills they they have, develop new skills, launch new products, launch new skills that they know reflect what the clients need rather than actually be uh, weighed down with what it says above the door and thinking that's what we need to sell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very much the philosophy of what we're doing and uh, you'll see that more so here and I'm sure Vicky will talk about it tomorrow as well. Well, th well that leads nicely on to my next question actually because um, you were named uh, EMEA Agency of the Year at the Sabre Awards in Berlin last month by the Homes Report so I, I guess all these things that you're doing are, are helping that. Uh, that must have been a good night. Well, unfortunately, Simon and I both missed the party. <laughs> Simon was in China with a client and I was in Istanbul with a client. Damn, so, uh, damn client. Our so. colleagues enjoyed the party. But yes, I think you know, it's, you know, we see it as endorsement of a lot of the initiatives and changes that have happened in the agency yeah. in the last two or three years. Um, having said that, our job is never done. Um, and we have a, uh, an operating principle inside the agency now, which is we're, we're always in beta. Which is, which essentially is empowering our colleagues to test and pilot new ideas constantly because the world is changing so fast the agency has to keep up um, so whilst it's an endorsement of what we have done you know it, 
we're not sitting back and congratulating ourselves that we've achieved what we've set out to achieve. On, on your website, I was reading the comments from your president and CEO of HK, Amir, uh, and I hope I pronounced this right, Lars Eric uh, Gruntum, is that right? That's pretty um, good. Uh, and he was talking about the win, um, and he mentioned that an important development in your offer is your proprietary 3P methodology. Could, could you talk us through the thinking there? Yeah, sure, and it, it very much relates to um, a, a lot of the things that I, I guess people are talking about here at Cannes. You know, it's. Um, it's something we developed and we, we don't so much talk to clients now about, um, I guess, uh, case studies, but talk about how, more of a philosophy, and we call it 3P philosophy. And it's basically um, helping clients to um, uh, perform, but also communicate the reason, uh, their, their purpose. Um, and we combine those two things together, and what we're seeing is that drives a preference in their consumer, whoever that consumer might be, and that might be the government, or it might be, uh, it might be a, a consumer on the street. But you combine those two things together and don't just focus on one and actually you, you create an incredibly compelling story uh, for the consumers. And um, you know it's important that we help clients perform, of course it is, it's important that some of the more traditional skills that we, uh, we have, um, such as you know, being able to operate in a certain territory or regulatory change, it's important that you can add those things which is your performance but also you've got to explain to people why you're doing it and you know we talk about um, a lot about future legacy so we say to our clients you know if in three years time what's the legacy that you're leaving to the world and if we can't explain that then I think you're going to be you're going to be challenged commercially so very much it's the philosophy for how we're working now and it seems to be resonating with clients um, a, a great deal okay um, change the topic here this uh, podcast is aimed at the c-suite so just a couple of questions um, in terms of your own use on social media uh, yourself obviously this is going to be out there tweeted uh, shared across social uh, do you use it what are your channels of choice do you listen to podcasts like this obviously you're gonna of be course we do you'll be of subscribing course we do. <laughs> uh, this um, well I use Twitter primarily for news uh, I use LinkedIn as a networking tool and then you know I use social media really on a personal level to follow my passions, which you know it's not you know, it's not just about being in the public relations industry for, for me. Um, we've just come from a, uh, a a presentation from John Hegarty of BBH, who said, you know, I work in advertising, I don't live in advertising, and I think we have to remember actually that our responsibility is to bring an outside world into our business. So yeah. I use social media very much to follow love of personal passion. I was going to ask actually because I was looking for you on Twitter and uh, so do you use it more passively in terms yes, of re rather I'm, than tweeting? I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Simon, what's your um, I guess the, the channel I've been using most uh, recently is um, is WeChat. So having had lots of or we, with lots of um, clients based in China. Yeah. That's obviously um, the most prevalent platform out there uh, and it's actually for me it's the most exciting platform um, out there at the minute. We use it a lot well, we use it almost extensively now with clients to actually instead of email. So we don't use uh, we don't use uh, email with a lot of our Chinese clients. It's actually all done via via WeChat. So we create groups on WeChat. We do all our conference calls on WeChat, and then we share um, share kind of new findings on WeChat with with our clients as well. So that's a really fascinating uh, channel. And then internally, we've um, we use Slack. Um, so we've, that's one of the innovations that we've we've launched in London in the last 12 months or so. Again, to kind of get rid of this kind of archaic email thing um, that actually nobody seems to read. So, um, you know, we've used Slack uh, definitely in London and that's a fascinating uh, sharing platform that, that the guys all use. And then, yeah, WeChat, I guess, is the one that I'm focused on now, uh, mainly because Twitter obviously doesn't work in China. Yeah, so. of course, yeah. Excellent. Um, okay, one last question. Uh, I'll put this to you, Richard, um, just to finish off. What's the outlook for H&K between now and Can Lion 2017? Well, we've 
we've had a very good f start to 16 um, in terms of the uh, clients that we're working with, uh, the business that we're winning. Um, I think the challenge for all of us, not just Hill and Knowlton, is we've got to claim a greater share of voice in the awards. Um, still, we look at the winners of the awards and they're not coming, in my view, um, sufficiently strongly from the PR industry and, and breaking that okay. barrier, I think, is, is our, Simon and my, shared ambition. And do you, do you see, um, so I said that was the last question, I've now, you've now led me on to another one, but do, I mean, how much do clients focus on, on that whole area? of the award winnings award winners here i mean obviously it's it's huge profile within the industry ourselves but we love a good award ceremony how much do the clients focus on it i, I had a client say to me um only last week um in china will can you make us the first chinese company to win at camp okay so i think that was your brief that sort of says it all <laughs> i think um, it's hugely important to clients right. it's hugely important for their own careers okay and it's um it's hugely important to be recognised for the work that they do, I think. So, yeah. I think How are you doing with that? Well, we're on the, on the journey. <laughs> they just started that journey. Brilliant. Um, that's great. Uh, thanks to both of you for joining the show. Um, I know you're very busy here at the festival. So, once again, thanks to H&K Strategies, Simon Shaw and Richard Miller. And we are back after this quick break. Consumers are ten times more likely to buy goods or services if addressed in their own language. Conversus enables international businesses to communicate their message across different languages and cultures. For translation and localization of your PR comms and website content, multilingual desktop publishing, and audio dubbing and subtitling of videos, visit conversus.com. Welcome back to the C-Suite podcast here on the beachfront at Eco's House of PR inside the Cannes Lions Festival. And next up, we're talking uh, the Lions Health Awards. Now, I'm joined by two of this year's judges, uh, Zuleika Burnett, who is Executive Director uh, for Creative and Innovation at Havas Life Medicom, and Martin Hafley, Creative Director at DDB Remedy London. And joining them is a winner from last year's awards, uh, Khalid uh, Latif, from, uh, who is Associate Creative Director at Publicist Life Brands Resolute. So welcome to the show, all three of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, now, uh, before we talk about this year's award winners, uh, Zaleka and Martin, uh, you both arrived at Cannes, um, Cannes early last week, um, I think it was, to, uh, I guess, what was a pretty intense few days of judging. Absolutely. Um, it's been an uh, incredible week. I have met some of the most interesting people from a hugely diverse um, uh, backgrounds, um, PR experts, media experts and advertising talent. So it's been in a, a fantastic, uh, life-changing experience um, being with uh, such a highly diverse group who are at the top of their game right now. Yeah, really very cool. There was some fantastic talent in the room and um, yeah, what actually made it easy and, and really inspiring was that there was some just some great personalities and everybody got on. Everybody was passionate, everybody was focused, you know, but there was laughter when it needed to be there and yeah, we had a great time, as you say, very intense. Well, what, what's the, uh, what was intriguing though, is what's the benefit for you personally about being involved in this whole judging process? I think it's the opportunity to, well, first off to repeat, to actually meet some of, you know, the leaders uh, in our industry, but um, beyond that, I think, it's just it's seeing the work, you know, at, at, at that stage, and, and just you know, just how much of it there is, and just the quality and depth. I think more than anything else, but also um, you know, actually just taking some of the inspiration back to the office as well, and you know, 
getting some PR for um, our own companies and ourselves, yeah. Absolutely. I think that the uh, the jury have been themselves incredibly inspired by the, the high standard and quality of the work. And one of my missions is to take that inspiration back with me and uh, share it with my team and everyone I meet um, at some point um, I will be infusing them also with the, with the same inspiration and hopefully um, that will raise the bar on what we do next year and help inspire people who are coming up um, you know our young creative talent um, to, to see, see a future where health and wellness is is at the center of, uh, of great creativity and life-changing creativity. Excellent. Um, I want to bring Carla in to, uh, to the chat here. Now, before the break, um, I was chatting with Richard Miller and Simon Shaw of Asian Case Strategies about why it's so important to win a, a Lions Award. Carla, Carla you, you actually won last year. Yeah, um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that campaign in particular, but also what it means for the team at uh, PLBR and, and, and sort of what the reaction you get from clients as well? So um, last year, the win was a, a bronze lion for the stroke experience. So that was a 360-degree film that we, we filmed from the point of view of somebody actually having a stroke. Um, going through that, but it wasn't just about the person having a stroke. It was more about the people around them. And I think two years ago when we won that, no, two years ago when we did that, the technology to create something like that was very much in its infancy. And what I'm seeing now um, is the technology for that particular to, to film a 360-degree film like that has just become it's incredible. I mean, Martin and I went down to the Nokia booth yesterday, yeah. and we had a look at this camera. We were talking about it before. That, that was just yeah. absolutely amazing because <laughs> when we filmed that, and actually we did a we did a version two this year. Um, unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't get anything, but. It just shows you how far... You, you were too ahead of the game, obviously. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell everybody. Um, you're too far behind. But um, the, the technology to create something like that has just become so sophisticated and elegant now. And uh, I think that's just happening across the board. You see it with all the work this year in particular. Mm. The technology to create a vision has just... It's, it, it, it's, you've got to be careful because it almost outweighs the idea sometimes yeah. and that's where we have to be careful mm. because the idea's always got to lead. Does that make your your jobs though even harder every because the, the in terms of trying to be creative there's so much new technology coming out constantly yeah. you know and you're having to obviously come up with something you know keeping on top of on the breast of all these different technologies is, is that what you get from being here or? I think like Khaled said it's I think it's about finding the appropriate use for it yeah you know I mean we obviously our ideas are firmly based on insight first and you know bringing the technology to them you know actually then amplify that idea and, and really kind of strike a chord with their target audience but you're right I mean there's um, there's just so much happening and you know this is the place to see it as well I think it's yeah. great you know yeah yeah and I also and just to add to that we're seeing um, product development and innovation um, being a new way to market for certain companies and brands and uh, they're using a product development idea to create a buzz around a, a specific topic um, in healthcare or a healthcare issue. So they're trying to raise awareness um, and create a noise around topics through product development and innovation. So we saw a lot of that um, and we had a lot of discussion around that on the jury as well. Right. And so Carly, coming back to, to the question I was asking you about the, the reaction to the client. So you, you've won that award, you know, great new technology. 
what, what, what the reactions for existing and also any you know, like potential clients that, that you get off the back of winning that? I think Cannes in particular has got a certain glamour to it. It's got a certain um, air. It's not like other award shows. You, you come here to this beautiful place and you, you, you meet some amazing people and you're just involved in this, in, in this play almost. Mm. And I think if you go to a client and say, you've, you've won a can, yeah. for something they know what that is and just elevates you it elevates yeah. it slightly yeah. I mean th this year we were very lucky to win a silver and a bronze for a piece of work that was done by our agency and we sent a message to the client when we were shortlisted mm. and they knew exactly what we were talking about and, and they were very excited by yeah. that yeah. Um, I don't know the reaction to the win but I'm sure it's going to be pretty good and they'll be very happy with that and obviously what that does is it it, it, it proves it almost proves what you've been saying to them all along yeah because what yeah. we tell them is look we, we want to do the best work we can do for you and your brand that's the best that's the thing we want to actually do and as a as a side effect to that we want to win some great awards yeah. that then brings pr with it because that's the thing about can as well there's sure. a lot of pr a lot of noise created around a win yeah. and it, it goes everywhere and well, this is this is what clients like as a side effect well here's your pr opportunity go on tell us about what, what you've won this week then <laughs> so this year <laughs> So this, this, um, this week we won for a, a product called Zolle and the, the campaign was called Slam Poetry, Daniel. I have to give a shout out to Tom Wordley and Jonathan Webb. They were the guys that actually created it. Um, so, so massive congratulations to them. It was one of, those, um, one of those projects that we did that was, again, very, very, very tight on budget, tight on time, but the idea just shone and it blasted through everything. And the client saw that. To, to, to get a great idea out, clients are massively important. Okay. And um, yeah, we, it, as, as these guys will tell you, judging is a very uh, judging is a very interesting process. So so you, you can never predict what's going to win. Yeah. You can never ever predict what's going to happen. But um, we were very very happy to, well, get, to get something. Well, soon. well, that leads me nicely onto. So on on that on that judging side of it, what, mm. any highlights of, of the entries that, that you guys you know saw? Yeah, more more than a few actually. I'm, I'm aware that your podcast will be limited to a certain <laughs> amount of time. No, there's God, a, <laughs> we keep going. There's a couple going on. There's a couple that stood out for me actually. <laughs> One that um, we awarded a gold. Um, I actually can't remember what media it was for. Zuleika might be able to help me with their extensive notes over there. But it was for um, it was for Anchor Milk, and um, it was this idea that it was based on a really simple insight. Fifty kids every day break an arm in New Zealand. Apparently, it was as simple as that. They wanted to try and tie in obviously some product promotion with a kind of health and wellness message. So what they did was created this project called X-Ray Cast. And the idea was that when kids went into the accident emergency, they had a kind of touch point in there where you could actually upload the kids X-Ray. And then maybe in the post the following day, they would get this kind of transfer, which you heated up, went onto the cast, and it was actually an X-Ray of the bone that was broken. But further to that, on the cast was a barcode. And the, the idea was the kids would get free milk for the duration while their arm was healing at the supermarket. That's brilliant. I just loved it. It was, it was yeah. just a 360 idea. It's fantastic. fantastic. Do you know, actually, I saw that idea come up when I was at the awards ceremony. Yeah. And they didn't actually go that deep into it. No, you know? no, no. That's, that's it's limited. Really it's a shame, actually, because of obviously yeah. the time they have during the ceremony. It gets like 30 seconds. But really sweet campaign. So one of my favourites is, um, is a campaign called Colour for the Colourblind. And um, that was essentially um, a partnership made between a, a maker of glasses and a paint company. So Velspar and Encrona partnered together. And um, 
what they did is uh, amplify the issue of colour blindness um, as a way to bring health discussion in a dramatic way to the masses and uh, they created an incredible film um, showing the experience that colourblind people had when they put these glasses on and, and obviously what a great idea um, and it was an incredibly emotional um, thing to watch when you see uh, a, a man see the colour of his kid's eyes for the first time um, and it made the jury quite tearful. <laughs> Um, That's always going to be a winner, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> a lot of crying and a lot of laughing went on in the jury room. I have to say, Zuleika has the, the neatest notebook I think I've <laughs> ever I seen. from here, it's that neat, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so on the subject of uh, winning an awards, uh, what about you guys? Any, any, any winners from your teams? Um, right, so um, in the Young Lions Health category, um, um, a couple of young lions, that means people 30 and younger um, from my agency that's Havas Life Medicom in, uh, in London or just outside London in the leafy suburbs um, came up with a, an awesome idea called Miniband and the brief was a, it was a UNICEF brief and it was focused around um, uh, a need to raise awareness for caregivers um, who perhaps don't spend enough time with their zero to five year olds and, uh, and the, the two young, young creative people on, on this project came up with a, a great video and a great story a telling idea, which, uh, which uh, to get shortlisted was a, a, a huge uh, boost for them. Excellent, excellent. And Martin, anything from you? Indeed, thank you. <laughs> you've, you've been waiting <laughs> you've been for this, hasn't you? I have. I wanted to interrupt Khaled when he was going on about last year, but oh, right. I, I let it run. Let me run. So uh, we, were lucky enough, we were lucky enough this year to win a silver and two bronze for um, an integrated campaign that we created for Excedrin, which is a, a pain brand in the US. Uh, very briefly, the idea behind it was this insight that migraine sufferers feel misunderstood. So largely kind of the, the perception of them and... Uh, you know, how they deal with a migraine and how it affects them was very negative. You know, they just think, oh, you know, they've just got a headache and it's really nothing serious or anything to worry about. But what we wanted to do was kind of take that thought and really amplify it to show people, you know, how to experience this through their eyes. And so we built um, a, a simulated VR experience from scratch uh, along uh, using the insights from the sufferers themselves. And then we kind of um, distilled that into a mobile app as well. So where, you know, you can actually create your personalize your migraine and share it with your you know loved ones and friends to try and gain their empathy so they can understand so yeah and and uh, as we were talking earlier no longer can you just say oh you've just got a headache haven't you it's like no <laughs> exactly yeah I hope I hopefully we've kind of you know we started to remove some of that stigma oh, yeah. and uh, yeah it's certainly been well received it's Brilliant. a fantastic response on social media fantastic um, now uh, the health part can is uh, is done for another year um, what were the key takeouts for the, for the three of you I'm assuming you guys managed to get out of your judging room to see uh, some of the sessions um, let's start with Lad Martin let's go with you yeah I mean there were some really interesting things actually and just to continue briefly on the theme of VR I saw something really interesting yesterday which was from um, a company called Deepstream VR and the kind of premise of what they're doing is um, they're working with um, brands I think there's particularly there was one for um, pain management and the idea was that they were building VR experiences to try and um, divert the brain if you like they called it kind of they described it as hacking the brain which is a really interesting concept. The idea that, you know, depending on <coughs> the world in which they can immerse uh, the sufferer within, 
it actually, you know, it sends a signal to their brain that actually the pain isn't as bad as, you know, it, it, it is really, I guess. And um, it's an incredible kind of theory, really. They're also looking at how to use VR in terms of extending the effect of um, drug therapy as well, which I found just incredibly inspiring. So, yeah. Excellent. Khalid, any highlights for you? Um, I think the key takeout for me was, um, particularly this year compared with last year, it's just the level, the standard of work is, is just going up and up and up constantly. And I was here last year um, and, and I saw the work firsthand and I looked this year and just thought, okay, we've got, we've got, we've got some way to go. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is the cons- there's a lot of consumer agencies that enter CAN and, and, and they, have a, they have a different mindset, they have a different, you know, a different way of doing things. Different budget. And different budget as well. It's very, and it's very, very challenging to keep up with them and the, the level of execution and the way they actually think about their work. And I think as, as a healthcare healthcare industry in general we've got to look at this and just keep keep pushing ourselves to to match and overtake them because we what we don't like is them beating us at our own game almost and and that's what <laughs> i had this i had this last year and They're i, thought, I saw it again this year and i just thought oh god you know we really need yeah I, excellent that, that's the key take it's just the le- the quality of work right. the depth and quality okay. yet again has has been impressive particularly on the health and wellness side Okay, and um, Zuleika, I'll give you the last word because I have to thank you also for get, getting these two guys to uh, to join us on this little uh, podcast as well. <laughs> Twisted our arm. No, <laughs> the last, it, last word to you. I thought it would be a, a more rich and a fuller story for everyone. But um, my last word is um, is actually something that I, I saw yesterday and it's a conversation between a, a pharmaceutical company and an agency um, who are partnering together to develop... Um, more supportive care um, ideas and concepts and, and bringing, um, rather than bringing products, um, talking more about supportive patient solutions and it was a, an incredible discussion and I think that we're going to see uh, more and more money and focus from pharma companies um, in that area and I think it does the power of good for their corporations and their corporate brands so it's just something to look, look forward to seeing more of really. Brilliant. That's great. Thanks again to Carly Latif of Publicist Life Brands Resolute, Martin Hafley from DDB Remedy London, and Zuleika Burnett of Havas Life Medicom. Support for the C-Suite podcast comes from Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Market hires? Tears. Tears. Half of the world's most valuable brands. User Marketeers. Delivering stories and content on air online and to mobile that capture attention. Marketeers, switch on the power of broadcast. Very nice. I use Marketeers. You do? I love it. So for part three of this first show from Can Lion, I'm uh, now joined here in uh, Eco's House of PR by Mary Wemmon. Mary is Communications Director at Call Credit Information Group, uh, but I think it's fair to say you're here at Cannes in your role as President of Women in PR? That's right. Women in PR is a networking group for women working within the public relations industry. Um, we have two levels of membership. Um, full membership, which is for senior women at board level, and then um, associate membership, which is for women working at mid-career level, so around associate director. Okay. Um, we're affiliated to the PRCA, and we've got two key agenda points. One is to get more women into the boardroom within the PR industry, and the other is to advocate for um, gender pay equality. And how long have you been in that, in that role? Um, the tenure as president is two years, and I'm 18 months into that um, period of being Excellent. president. Are you winning? 
We are definitely <laughs> winning. And um, we've, uh, we've got together with PR Week um, to set up the PR Week mentoring programme where 15 mid-career women are mentored by 15 senior women from the industry. It's been a hugely successful programme and we're just going into the third year of that. Um, we also participate in surveys with the PRCA around gender pay um, and we are industry advocates on, the, on that particular topic. Um, and the other thing that we've achieved is we wanted to diversify the membership of women in PR. We've certainly done that. We've just got our annual survey results back and we'll be publishing those soon, which will demonstrate how our membership base has changed over the last year. Fantastic. Now you've been uh, on the judging panel of a uh, special award here, uh, which is billed as Glass the uh, Lion for Change. And that's the second year here at the, at the festival. Can you give us a bit of background to it? Yes, yeah, so as you've said, it's the second year that Glass has been um, in the Can Lions and it was set up by um, really at the uh, request of um, the advertising industry and influential people such as Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Darcy, the Chief Creative Officer of Facebook, um, working with um, the Can Lion organisation and it's been set up to tackle issues around inequality and injustice that are based upon gender. So it's not just an award for women, it tackles issues relating to gender that affect all of us. Uh, how's the judging process gone? Um, it's been a fascinating process. Um, it's split into two key areas. The first is pre-judging, which you actually do about a month before arriving in Cannes, where you're sent all the films to watch via a secure um, network. Okay. Um, and you need to watch them and vote on them before arriving. The films that you then watch when you arrive at Cannes um, takes out all the low scoring campaigns and then you have about two days where you're literally locked in a judging room with your adjudicator um, and um, you need to watch each individual film and discuss them. And there were just um, under a hundred films that we watched on um, over the recent weekend. You know, all you, all you judges say that you're locked in this room. Really, you're, you're sat on the beach enjoying the sunshine. Um, that's not true at all. I think the most <laughs> time we get is 30 to 45 minutes um, in the sun um, at the judges' lunch area. But the rest of the time is very much locked in the room. And on uh, Saturday evening, the first day of judging, we didn't actually leave till nine o'clock at night. <laughs> now any, any issues that came up out, out of the you know, uh, entries at all? Yeah, I think there's a number of issues I'd like to highlight. Um, the first is the lack of entries from the public relations industry and in fact only one um, public relations entry has been shortlisted in the shortlist of 18 and that comes from Weber Shamwick in India. That surprises me because you know, PR loves a good award. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, there's a huge opportunity here for the right. PR industry, whether you work in agency or particularly in-house, because I think what we're particularly good at in PR is tackling complex um, issues around injustice and inequality and actually driving changes in behaviour um, or changes in attitude. So I think there's a big opportunity in the future for agencies um, in PR right. um, and clients to enter this particular award. Okay. Um, other things that um, I've noticed is we had a significant number of entries that were tackling the issue of gender pay from right across the world. However, the quality just wasn't there to put any of them on the shortlist. 
Um, it's a slightly dry topic, but it would be great to see in the future um, some really innovative entries that tackle the issue of gender pay as it's such a global problem. Then the other issue that was coming up um, is some, a new phrase that I've learned called pinkwashing. We've all heard of greenwashing and now I've heard of pinkwashing for the first time this weekend. Now that's an interesting one because in, in, uh, I was at the World PR Forum in Toronto a couple of uh, weeks ago and I actually did a, a session on greenwashing. It's, uh, for anyone who wants to listen to previous shows, it's show 22 and it was with uh, Angela Barter who's a uh, sustainable communication strategist. But so, so tell me about pinkwashing. Well pinkwashing is when you put together a campaign that is really tokenism and um, playing to what you think is fashionable um, rather than trying to actually shift behaviour change or to change attitudes. Okay. Um, so we, it was quite easy to spot the campaigns that were pinkwashing. Right. Um, I think the other comment I'd like to make is how important it is to have a judging panel that is very diverse. Now we all hear that the best um, decisions are made in the boardroom when you have a really diverse range of board directors and I think that's certainly true of the Cannes Lion. We had a very, very diverse range of judges from both within and outside um, the advertising industry. I was the only judge from the public relations industry. Um, it was a little bit intimidating when I first saw the uh, list of judges. I thought, goodness me, am I going to be walking into a room of, of nine male chief creative officers? But that wasn't the case at all. Um, we had the most fantastic jury president, um, Madeline Donono, who is the chief executive of the Gina Davis Institute. And so she's been uh, spending the last 10 years working with the actress Gina Davis to advocate for equality for women in Hollywood. So she brought a great perspective um, to the panel. Other people on the panel were the chief creative officer of Facebook, Mark Darcy. We had last year's winner of The Glass Lion, Josie Paul from India. Um, we had um, a journalist who um, worked in um, the Middle East. Um, we had um, an agency uh, network head from Brazil. Um, and then we had a range of other people from other markets. And it was very important to get that cultural diversity into the mix. And a real international flavour. Real international flavour. And we also had private sector and not-for-profit um, uh, represented. And um, we had somebody from an NGO on the panel as well. Now, before we sat in front of our mics, I was uh, trying to get you to uh, tell me who, who won. And, and, and I know you're not going to reveal that because uh, for the benefit of, of our listeners, we're recording this on Monday afternoon and the, uh, the, uh, the award ceremony is not till later this evening. But maybe you can just give us a, you know, some highlights of, of you know, what, what you saw during the judging process. Yes, I think there's a, a few campaigns that um, stand out for me. Um, I think there's a campaign that was produced by the um, NGO CAFA um, that really focused on the issue of child marriage in the Lebanon. That was a very striking um, and thought-provoking campaign. All the way through to um, uh, a campaign that... Um, Pan 10 did in the States called Dad Do, which showed American footballers um, doing their daughter's hair in the mornings before heading out to school, which was very amusing. So we went for the, there was lighthearted in there as well as um, the serious. Brilliant. I think some of the themes that came through um, were, um, there were a lot of campaigns submitted around the um, issue of um, being gay and how you come out, um, particularly for men. 
there were um, a lot of transgender campaigns that we saw. Um, there were a lot of campaigns that dealt with issues um, such as domestic violence, equal pay, um, and also um, issues such as acid attacks on women in, in various wow. regions of the world. So um, we had some very challenging issues to deal with. Yeah. And I think that was um, one of the things we discussed as judges at the start was we mustn't um, feel bad for rejecting a campaign even though the issue is a very important one. Of course, yeah. Um, it doesn't mean you're a bad person because you've rejected a campaign because it's tackling a specific well, issue. I the guess, I was going to say, I guess being on the shortlist at least gives them that opportunity to to highlight that as well anyway. so Absolutely. I mean, to get onto the shortlist is a huge industry recognition and that's the sort of thing that people would put on their, their personal and company CVs in yeah. the future. Um, but it was really some of the campaigns that didn't make the shortlist um, were still tackling some very, very um, deep issues yeah. that were very important. It was simply that we felt those that were on the shortlist were able to demonstrate um, good results as well as um, the core truth around creativity yeah. and innovation, which was essential for winning a can line. Yeah, difficult task. Mm. Well, um, we look forward to finding out who wins because I know you're not going to reveal it right now. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, everybody was told that they'd be banned from can for life. If they <laughs> revealed the winners before tonight's ceremony. That's fair um, enough. So I'd certainly like to come back in the future. So I'm afraid I just won't be able to tell you. No worries. Well, um, that's great anyway. And thanks for sharing all that information. So for now, uh, Mary Wemmon, um, um, thanks for joining the C-Suite podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Excellent. So that's it for the first of my shows here from Cannes. Don't forget, you can listen to all the previous shows of this series by subscribing to us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for the C-Suite podcast. And please, if you can, uh, do give us a, a rating and, and a decent review while you're there. Uh, it all helps to uh, get us up the charts and get uh, more listeners. As ever, if you uh, want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter using at uh, Russ Goldsmith or drop me a line using the contact form at csuitepodcast.com. Uh, now, I'll be back tomorrow with interviews with Vicky Chowney of H&K Strategies and Sean Dallas-Kidd of Fleischmann-Hillard. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.